Good morning, church. Good to be here with you today on this cold, cold morning. (laughs) Um, The song that I'm going to share with you today, it's entitled Once and for All. And it's very easy for us to sometimes give lip service to telling the Lord, I'm, I'm giving you my heart and I'm giving you all of my life. But I think sometimes deep in the recesses of our heart and mind, there's sometimes these little pieces that we try to hold on to. Um, And when we do that, it affects our ability to have that full relationship with the Lord. So my prayer is for all of us today, myself included, that once and for all, we can truly give our entire heart, our our entire self to the Lord, and I think it will transform us. God, I give you all I can today These scattered ashes that are hid away I lay it all at your feet From the corners of my deepest shame The empty places where I've worn your name Show me the love I say I believe Oh, help me to lay it down Oh, Lord, I'll lay it down Oh, let this be where I die, my Lord, with Thee, crucified, be lifted and for all, once and for all. There is victory in my Savior's loss, in the crimson flowing from the cross, pour over me. Fall 
once and for all, once and for all, oh Lord, I lay it down, oh Lord, I lay it down, help me to lay it down. Oh, Lord, I lay it down. Oh, let this be where I die. My Lord, with Thee crucified, be lifted high is my kingdom's fall once and for all once and for all once and for all once and for all. Thessalonians 5.18 I'll be reading from the Holman Christian Standard Bible. Um, give thanks in everything for this is God, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. May God bless reading of his word. morning, church. Well, it's been a while since I've been up here, but it's good to be back. Um, Buy your heads with me real quick. We'll just have a word of prayer before we get started. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for um, this beautiful day, even though it has a chill to it. Um, thank you for the warmth that we have in our hearts and in our bodies and in, inside here in our church. And we just ask that you would bless us as we go into the service this morning, that you would let the message speak to each one of us and let your spirit be there to interpret the words so that each person can hear the message that they need for their heart today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you were here, I don't know, I don't think it was the last time I spoke, but it was back in March, I think, of last year. Um then this sermon title probably seems familiar to you because it's the same sermon title I preached on then, An Attitude of Gratitude. And for the most part, at least part of it, is the same sermon. Um, and I'm, I'm preaching again on it because I think it's a message that bears repeating. How we carry ourselves, the attitude that we present to others, is so important, both for us and for those that we meet. It's important for us because the attitude that we harbor in our heart affects how we think, it affects how we act, it affects what we do, right? So if we have a, a specific attitude for a period of time, and I'm not, I'm not talking specifically about this today, but I, I know in the past when I spoke, the one time I talked about the story of the two wolves, right? You guys remember the, the, those of you who are here for that? If you, if you aren't familiar with it, there's a, a story about uh, 
an old Indian, and he's talking to a young Indian. And he's telling the young Indian, there are two wolves that live inside you. And he lists off all the things that the two wolves are. One is greed and anger and evil, and he lists all these things. The other is joy and hope and love and all these things. And he he asks the the young brave, which of the two wolves will, he says, they're at battle in you. Which of the two will win? Anybody remember what the punchline is on that? Which, which wolf will win out of the two? The one you feed. Yes, the one you feed. So we all have in us the capacity to have anger and grudges towards other people and to be hurt and to be upset or, or whatever. We also have the capacity for joy, for helpfulness, for thankfulness, all those things. And whichever spirit you choose to exercise more, that's the, that's the muscle that's going to get stronger, right? So um, in, in um, thinking about the sermon today and preparing for it and um, preparing for it the first time, that thought is always in the back of my mind, that, that parable, even though I wasn't going to use that specific one today. Um, I love music, as you guys know. I like to sing and I love the, the hymns for today, otherwise I probably would have picked something different, but 27 is um, it, it, the one we just sang. And if, you, if you're looking at it, um, in the, the fourth verse, I think we all can have a tendency in our world to have times where we feel like the world is overcoming us, right? It's, there's just so much going on. If you're, if, you got, if you're on social media, you're looking at the news every night or whatever, everything can just start to weigh on your mind and you just feel like, there's so much going on, and you know, where is God in this? When is he coming back to, to get us? And verse 4 in that song says, and uh, the thing I, I want you to think about with this song is, rejoice ye pure in heart. So all the way, the whole message of the song is rejoice. Rejoice in all these different things. And it's taken from Psalms 20, verse 5. But the fourth verse, yes, on through life's long path, still chanting as ye go, from youth to age, by night and day, in gladness and in woe. It's easy to rejoice in gladness, right? We have happiness, gladness, it's easy to rejoice. What about in woe? Do we rejoice in woe? Rejoice. Um, anyways, that's a, a long preamble just to say I'm basically going to give you some of the same message that we had last time. I'm only preaching about half of the sermon again. It was a, the, the half of the sermon that I'm going to talk about is actually a blog post that was written by um, John Bloom, and he is a staff writer at the website DesiringGod.org, and he wrote an a article called We Are Far Too Easily Displeased, and I want to read through that, and there are a ton of scriptural references in that, and the last time that I spoke about this subject, I preached about um, uh, something a little bit different at the beginning, and then we read this as part of it. But we just basically read the little snippets that he has from those verses. And today I want to take a little deeper dive. I want to get into some of those verses, look at them in context, and just talk about them a little bit. So rather than it being as much like a sermon, it's probably going to be almost more like a lesson study we have in Sabbath school. I hope. I hope that's how it turns out. We'll see. Um, If there are people who are willing to read for me, I would love to have assistance with reading. We have a whole, I have a whole list of scriptures... (laughs) I don't know if we'll get to them all, but um, if there are those of you who are willing to read, that would be 
um, fantastic. I'm going to read through the, the first part here and talk about it a little bit, and then we'll delve into some of the verses and, and look at them in a little more context. So um, this article, it's by John Bloom. It's called, We Are Far Too Easily Displeased. And he's just talking about having gratitude. And the first verse that he quotes in here to start the article or start the, the thing is from Philippians 2, um, 14 and 15. And I love, well, there's so many different passages I love in the, in the Bible, but um, I really love some of the stuff in Philippians. And um, this is, is one of them. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God, without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights to the world. So we talked about that just a little bit right at the beginning, right? Why, what is one of the reasons that it's important that we do all things without grumbling or disputing? It's partly because of the outward appearance that we show to others, right? We're sharing Christ with others. And it says, do all these things, do it without grumbling or disputing, that you might be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights to the world. I am a grumbler by nature, by my fallen nature. And just this morning, a malfunctioning software program required my attention. Experience told me that the likely course, at, that the likely course would be that at least two times on the phone, I'd be on the phone two times with customer support and at least two glitches in fixing the process. 45 minutes minimum, probably. Maybe more. And this all proved true, by the way. Immediately, I resented this time-stealing inconvenience. And when I called my wife in the middle of dealing with it, out of my mouth came my displeasure. Life's problems don't get much smaller. What's the matter with me? See, the matter is that I am too easy to listen to the lies of my pathologically selfish, sinful nature, which assumes all of the reality should, that all reality should serve its preferences and grumbles against anything that doesn't. Let me read that again. I don't think I read it right. The matter is that I too easily listen to the lies of my pathologically selfish sin nature, which assumes all of reality should serve its preferences and grumbles against anything that doesn't. The truth is, when I grumble, I have lost touch with reality. Grumbling is a gauge on the human soul. It gauges our gaze on grace. It tells us that we're not seeing grace. Grumbling pours out of our soul whenever we feel like we're not getting what we deserve. Sometimes we're even crass enough to think, to hell with what we deserve, we're not getting what we want. Grumbling is a symptom of a myopic soul. A soul that's focused on itself. Selfishness has caused tunnel vision and has fixated on a craving or cravings. The soul has lost sight of the glory and wonder and splendor and hope that is reborn, the reborn, redeemed life, and thus it is far too easily displeased. Grumbling is evidence of a soul vision impairment. What does a vision impairment mean? We've got a few people with glasses, right? You have some type of a vision impairment. Your vision is not perfectly 20-20. We have glasses to help us see clearly. Well, our spiritual souls all have vision impairment. 
but we have these wonderful glasses in the death of Christ that gives us the ability to have perfect vision. Grumbling is evidence of soul vision impairment. See, the opposite of grumbling in the soul is gratitude, and gratitude also is a gauge. It gauges our gaze on grace. It tells us that we are seeing grace. Gratitude pours out of our souls whenever we're receiving a gift that we know we don't deserve, and we experience a humble happiness. And as sinners who have received the gospel of the grace of God, from Acts 20, 24, we are receiving these gifts all the time. Gratitude is the symptom of a healthy, expansive soul. The gospel of grace has given it panoramic vision, allowing it to see that this grace will be sufficient, 2 Corinthians 12.9, to meet every need, Philippians 4.19, when inconvenience, crisis, weakness, affliction, unexpected demand, suffering, and persecution hit. In fact, in all of these things, this grace will make us more than conquerors through through him who loved us, Romans 8.37. Gratitude is the accent of the language of heaven. You guys know what an accent is, right? Hey, kids, Eli, do you know what an accent is? What's an accent? Lily, do you know what an accent is? Claire, what's an accent? Yeah, so on the way to church this morning, we were talking about how people talk in Australia, right? Where instead of saying, um, we were saying, instead of saying, guy, Lily was using the word bloke. So we have some friends who are from Australia, and they use the word bloke a lot to talk about people. And they also have an accent when they do it, you know, that old bloke, good day, mate, that kind of thing, right? That's an accent. They have an accent. I work out in New York. When I'm in New York, there's lots of people there with a different accent than we have here in the Midwest. And we have a reputation here in the Midwest. We, we also often get labeled with the northern part of our state or northern Michigan. We get called youpers, right? Y'all come up here. <laughs> that was more Texan, I guess, maybe. But, well, whatever. You get what I mean. An accent is just um, a way that our language, we, we can speak the same word, but it sounds a little bit different because it has an accent on it. Gratitude is the accent of the language of heaven because everything is undeserved grace. How much? Everything. Everything is undeserved grace. No creature that basks in the eternal, deep, and powerful, and satisfying, overflowing joys of heaven will have, a merit, will have merited being there. No person that basks in the eternal, deep, powerful, satisfying, overflowing joys of heaven, will have merited. What does it mean to have merited? To have earned. No person will have earned being there. Each will be there solely by the grace of God, which is why we all sing to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, being, be blessing, glory, and honor, and might forever and ever. Revelation 5.13. But grumbling is the accent of hell's language. Because it's how a creature's pride responds to the creator's decision to do or allow something that the creature does not desire. I'm going to read that again because I think it's important. 
Grumbling is the accent of hell's language because it is how a creature's pride responds to the creator's decision to do or allow something that the creature does not desire. Grumbling scorns God because it elevates our desires and judgment above his. That is why the world is so filled with grumbling. It's ruled by the prince of the power of the air, Ephesians 2.2, and its citizens speak the official language. That's why Paul tells us, do all things without grumbling, Philippians 2.14. The children of God should not speak with the accent of hell. Rather, our speech should always be gracious, Colossians 4.6, and should have the accent of heaven, those who have been forgiven so much, Luke 7:47, and promised so much, 2 Peter 1:4, should speak words that are always salted with gratitude, Ephesians 5:20. That is the one way that we shine as lights to the world, Philippians 2:15. See, gospel gratitude is a foreign language here on earth. We are citizens of a better country. We're told that in Hebrews 11:16. Doing all things without grumbling is humanly impossible, but thankfully, not with God. With God, all things are possible, Mark 10, 27. So what it requires is us getting our eyes off of ourselves and onto Christ, Hebrews 12, 2. And all God promises will be for us in him. It requires us seeing grace, and being different comes from seeing differently. Here's the Bible logic that provides the escape from the temptation to grumble. 1 Corinthians 10.13, all things work together for my good. Romans 8.28, and I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Philippians 4.13, so therefore I can do all things without grumbling. Philippians 2.14, yes, it is hard. It is a fight. God told us it would be that way. 1 Timothy 6.12, but... We will all grow in the gracious habit of cultivating gratitude through the rigorous exercise of constant practice, Hebrews 5, 14, through the constant practice of seeing grace. Lord, help us speak more in the accent of heaven. So I want to jump back to the beginning and talk a little bit about that and jump into our texts. So if you would turn with me to Philippians 2, we will start there. Philippians 2, and um, I'll tell you what verse we're going to start in here in just a second. So we want to start in verse 12. Philippians 2, verse 12. And if you want to read the whole chapter sometime, it is a very good chapter to read. I want to read from Philippians 2, verse 12, all the way down to uh, verse 18. Would anybody volunteer to read that for me? Danielle, go ahead. Yep. Philippians 2, 12 through 18.
pretty powerful, isn't it? When you think about Paul was writing there to the Philippians, and when you think about Paul's journey, he goes through his journey, and he had lots of trials and tribulations throughout his entire journey. Remember, he started as Saul, persecuting Christians, had his conversion, and then we're told, and we'll read about it today at, at one point, we're told that he had an affliction, right? God had, and he says it was from God. He said God gave him this affliction to keep him humble. He doesn't tell us what it specifically is, but I think um, through different readings and stuff, we're, we're, um, we believe that it was eyesight, that he had problems with his eyesight. And that would make sense because he took Luke with him. Luke wrote a lot of, um, a lot of his message. He had other, other people that went with him and helped him. But as he's writing this, he knows that he's being faced, that, that the Jews, certain specific Pharisees and people among the Jews, actually want to have him come back for trial and kill him. Yet he's writing to the Philippians and telling them about his joy and the joy that he takes in being able to share the grace of Christ with them. Next, I want us to jump over to Acts twenty twenty four. And actually, we'll start a little before that, but Acts 20. And we're going to start in verse 17, and we will read down a little bit there. So I'll read this one. We're going to start in um, Acts And this is um, Acts 20, and we're going to start in verse 17. This is um, talking to the, he's talking to the Ephesian elders and extorting them. Do you know what it means to extort? He's trying to encourage them to do something. So these are his exhortations to the Ephesian elders. And he says, From Miletius he sent to to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. And when they had come to him, he said to them, You know, from the first day that I came to Asia... In what manner I always lived among you. I lived among you serving with all humility, with many tears and trials which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews. How I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly from from house to house, testifying to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. And see now, I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. But none of these things, this is verse 24, none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy, and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And indeed, now I know that you all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, will see my face no more. Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Therefore take heed yourselves and to all the flock among you, therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the, uh, the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come among you, not sparing the flock, and also from among yourselves men will rise up, speaking perverse things, to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore watch and remember 
that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone, night and day with tears. So now, brethren, I command commend you to God and to the words of his grace, which is able to build you up, give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. Yes, you yourselves know that these hands have provided for my many necessity, for my necessities and for those who were with me. I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus as he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all, and then they wept freely and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him, sorrowing most of all for the words which he spoke, that they would see his face no more. And they accompanied him to the ship. So this is what I was uh, talking about as part of his journey. He was going back, and it says he was bound in the spirit, but he was going back to Jerusalem to face the accusations against him and ultimately against Christ. But in verse 24... He says to them, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with what? With joy. And the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. So he's facing possible death, yet he's leaving telling them they should be filled with joy, that he's filled with joy, that he faces that with joy. So what do we have going on in our heart? What do we have going on in our life? We all face trials and troubles, right? We all have challenges. Some of us have employment challenges. You have a job that you get fired from or get let go from or that closes down, you know, company closes down. We face those kind of things. Those are financial hardships. Some of us face difficulties with health. Those things can be a trial on you. Your back hurts or your knee hurts or any joint hurts. Sometimes people have diseases or afflictions that cause multiple things to hurt, right? So how challenging is that when you might wake up each day in pain, physical pain? You might think, I don't even want to get out of bed today. I just want to go back to sleep. Because I know if I get up, I'm gonna, it's going to hurt more for me to get up and move and walk. How do we face those things, those challenges that we have, whether it be financial, whether it be um, physical, whether it be spiritual? Do we face them with an attitude of, woe is me? Or do we face them with an attitude of graciousness and gratitude to Christ for the gift of another day of life when you wake up and you feel sore or pain. For another day to be alive and to be able to witness for him. If you lose a job, is your attitude, woe is me, or is your attitude, thank you God for giving me that job for all this time that I've had it, for blessing me in that way, and I trust that you will continue to bless and provide for me. What is our attitude? with those things. There are a lot of different texts and a lot more texts and we could probably spend a couple of hours going through them. Um, and I'm not going to do that, but I think overall we get the, we get the message of what's being said, right? Christ 
and, and again, I said, like, I've got like 20 texts here that we could read through, and they were cited all through this. And if anybody wants a copy of this article or a copy of the texts, let me know. I, I'm happy to email it to you or, or whatever. I think I, somebody asked me for it after the last sermon, and I, I emailed it to them because there's a lot of scriptural references in there. But I want to just challenge you guys to, as we're early in this new year, take stock of where you're at in your attitude. What is your attitude or your outlook on life? How are you looking at the things around you? Are you looking at them with an attitude that reflects the fact that we have the gift of eternal life from Christ because we've accepted him into our hearts? And that then, in turn, because we have gratitude for that undeserved gift, feeds a graciousness and a gratitude towards everything else around us, towards our work, towards our children, towards our spouses and how we treat them, towards our coworkers that we, that we work with. And so through that, that gratitude and that graciousness that we have with all of them, they see in our character Christ. And it might be that, that might be the only exposure that they have to Christ. Right? It might be somebody that doesn't care about the Bible, they don't want to read it, they don't want to touch it, they're atheist, whatever. They were raised in a different way. They never have been exposed to the story of Christ. But they're exposed to it daily in how you interact with them. What joy that we can be a witness for Christ in that way. That simply through how we treat somebody, we extend the hand of Christ to them. We extend his spirit to them. I want to, I, before we end here, I just want to play real quickly for you a little clip. And this clip is from um, doc, the Dr. Laura show, Dr. Laura Schlesinger. And she runs a show where people can call and talk to her about their problems or questions that they have and get advice, basically. Um, and this was a person that was, was calling because they were feeling anxious and depressed and, and challenged in that, in that nature. And... Um, she gives them some counsel back. And I just want to play it for you because I think it's good, and then we're going to read one more text and we'll close. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Call of the Day. Be sure to listen to my program Monday through Friday, now heard on Sirius XM Triumph 111. Angelo, welcome to the program. Dr. Laura, thanks for taking my call. You are a hero to so many. Oh, well, thank you. What can I help you with? All right, I'll ask my question, and please feel free to ask any questions from your end. I'm currently struggling with some anxiety and depression, and I want to know how I can get better. Okay, that's vague. You want to tell me what's going on in your life that you're not pleased with? Sure. So uh, about two and a half years ago, I had a pretty serious medical event. Um, I'm not a big drinker at all. I had a beach weekend with some guy friends. I drank too much over a three-day period. My heart went into AFib. It was beating close to 200 beats per minute. I was rushed to the hospital. Everything turned out okay, thank God. But that ambulance ride, thinking I may never see my wife or my two little boys again, really did a number on me. I think I still struggle with that, combined with the usual pressures of job, wife, kids, family life, finances, everything. And I'm just kind of... Why do you call all those things pressures? Why do you call a wife a pressure? Why do you call children a pressure? Aren't they supposed well, to be joys? Or you have a crappy wife and rancid kids, or what? 
No, I have an amazing wife and I have two amazing Well, then that's not a pressure. Um, That's a relief. So the wife is a relief. It's all in how you look at it, sweetheart. The wife is a relief. The children are a relief. The job is a means to an end so you can get back home and enjoy your reliefs. Right. So you're looking at it. You asked me for help. Yes. I don't want to hear your guesses. The way you expressed yourself, you are causing yourself pain. You are looking at blessings in your life as pressure. Then, of course, you're going to feel down. But if wife is a blessing, kids are a blessing, everybody's a pain in the ass sometimes, but wife is a blessing, children are a blessing, being home with everybody is a blessing, that's a very different way of looking at it than piling them up in a compost heap of pressure. Right. I guess from, from the medical guess. aspect Don't guess. Of it, okay, Don't fine, I'm not guess. I'm not. From the incident that occurred a little over two years ago, that's right. been in my head a lot. Well, how, of course. You almost died. Well, you don't get it out. It'll never be out. But it should remind you, no more drinking like that and value being alive. Don't look at a wife as a pressure. Don't look at children as a pressure. Don't look at the dog as a pressure. But you almost died. You got a second shot. You should look at that moment as a gift. You got lucky. You could have died. You got lucky. Can I hear you say, I got lucky, I didn't die? I got very lucky, I didn't die. So the next time it occurs to you and remember that moment, you go, yeah, that was pretty scary, but I got lucky, I'm not dead. So let me make the most of not being dead. It's all in your attitude. Right. There's nothing real for you to be depressed about. It's your attitude. You're not grateful. Thank you very much. You're not grateful. I feel like I used to be, but you're right, not not right now. Well, after this phone call, you should be grateful again. Yes. Make a commitment. Why don't you say, I choose to be grateful I didn't die. Let me hear you say that. I choose to be grateful that I did not die. I choose to be grateful I have a nice wife and I'm not alone. I choose to be grateful I have a nice wife and I'm not alone. I choose grateful. I choose to be grateful that I have adorable kids. I choose to be grateful that I have two amazing little boys. There you go. That is your life, not a compost heap of pressure. That's your life. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. She likes to end her her, her calls with telling people to go do the right thing. Um, and I want to implore you guys to do that. Go do the right thing. The right thing to me in, in reflection of what we learned today is assessing our attitude. Are we gracious? Do we have gratitude? And if not, how can we change that? Do we need to make a list of the things that are blessings to us and reflect on that on a daily basis? Maybe you do. Maybe that's a point where you're at where Things have so overwhelmed you that you need to, just like she did with him, gave him a list of things that, hey, you really have these things to be grateful for, not to be upset about. In closing today, I want to just um, jump into the book of Psalms. And if you want to turn there with me, we're going to be in Psalms 19. I love Psalms. Like I said, I like music. And this one, 
Um, Psalms 19 is about the perfect revelation of the Lord. And again, this is a psalm of David, as most of them are. And the specific text we read about in our, ser- in our at the beginning, or actually I guess I didn't read it because I skipped this, this part at the end here because I was going to use it to close. The author references a song in this article that he had, had written in the end here. It says, prone to grumbling, Lord, I feel it. Prone to scorn the God I love. Here's my eye, oh, take and peel it till I see thy grace above. Not the usual words, but what an image. Peel the scales off of my eye so I can see your grace, your gift to me, rather than all the pressures around me. Then let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. That was the text that he listed in the article. But I want to read you the whole psalm. This is from Psalms 19. To the chief musician, a psalm of David. To the heavens declare the glory of God. He says, the heavens declare the glory of God. And the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utters speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not. Their line has gone out through all the earth, their words to the end of the world, and in them he has set a tabernacle for the sun, which is like the bridegroom coming out of his chamber, and rejoices like a strong man to run its race. It is rising from one end of heaven and its circuit to the other end, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is pure, making wise the simple. The statutes statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than the honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping from them, and in keeping them there is great reward. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse me from secret faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless, and I shall be innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for another day of life, another day where we can wake up, where we can get out of bed, where we can be joyful that you let us live for another day, where we can go outside and feel the cold air on our face and know that that cold reminds us that we are still alive. Father, I just pray as we go out today that your spirit would fill us, that you would help us 
to reflect on those secret things that we don't even realize that maybe are affecting our attitude, that are affecting how we see the grace that you've given to us. Help us reflect and see those things and help us to change how we think. Help us to exercise in ourselves the muscle of gratitude, of joy, of peace, and of contentment. Father, I ask these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen.